0: And welcome to Podcast Me Anything, and Ask Me Anything for all things podcasting. I'm your host, Ben Cloy, and I'm joined here in the studio with Matthew Passi, a podcast consultant. Matthew and I wanted to move the conversations beyond the podcasting 101 topics and move into the intermediate to advanced podcasting strategy to reach your goals. To interact with the show, submit your questions to be answered live, book a podcast out with Matthew, or find the notes from today's show, head on over to podcastmeanything.com. Welcome back to another podcast, Me Anything. I'm here joined with Matthew Passy, where we speak on all the things paranormal, strange, and weird out there in the podcast universe. And today will not be anything different because we have a great news article. Welcome to the podcast today,
1: Matthew. It's great to be here. And you say it's not going to be different, but we're going to do something a little bit different later on. We
0: are going to do something different a little bit later on. We're going to flip the script. We talked about how we can change it up and bring in some spice and variety into the podcast today and i hinted at the strange and paranormal because the things that people do in podcasting world to inhibit it to like put some security around it don't always seem natural and the news out of facebook in the past week was that facebook is now putting the mute button automatically on any music that it determines to be copyrighted. Now, this doesn't determine you have the copyright. It doesn't mean if you legitimately purchase the copyright. If it detects it as an original artist, it's automatically gonna mute it despite any legality you have to, for a right to use it. And it's one of those that like really do we really need do we really need that within the Facebook community? Is that really gonna create all this big like fanfare that we need to manage? Like it was a weird moment. Similar for you, probably, Matthew.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't really use commercial music. I don't encourage anyone. In fact, I I strongly discourage anybody from using commercial music in the podcast that we produce. But I do think it is an interesting thing that Facebook is just blanket muting anytime they hear any music in podcasts that they are going to feature on their platform. So, right, like you said, it doesn't matter if you have the rights, if you've secured the rights, if you spend a lot of time or money or energy or whatever it is to. Get the rights to a commercial song. If it's on your podcast, it is not going to show up when you're listening to it on Facebook. And by the way, this is one of the reasons I've had clients who have said to me, I really want to use a commercial song. And I said, it's really, really expensive and difficult. And they've said, no, 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 it's, I want to do it. Like, I'm going to spend the money. I'm going to go after I'm going to do this. I was like, listen, you could spend the money. You could do all those things. You could, you know, figure out how to get it done. But at the end of the day, you're still going to be playing defense on your show constantly because the platforms obviously facebook included are going to assume that you don't have that rights right even if you have it you publish it somebody's going to report it and then you're going to have to be the one who has to like respond to all these things that says no 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 i have the rights and all that is to say that playing commercial music on your show is not going to... It, you're not going to get the return on investment that you have to make in terms of money and effort to secure the rights to it's that. It's like music. buying a $1, so, $1,000 microphone. Me,
0: it's not going to grow your podcast overnight, just like a $1,000 co- copyrighted song isn't going to grow it overnight either.
1: Well, and if you think $1,000 is going to get you a commercially copyrighted song, you're out of your mind, but then, right, think about how much you have to spend in lawyers and coming up with the agreement and then defending it and then responding to all these DMAs and takedowns, right? Like, it's just not... like. It's just not going to make a difference. And so I really don't think it's worth it. Listen, it's one thing if you do a, a music show, right? Your whole thing is reviewing music, talking about musicians and, and stuff like that. I understand it's a little bit different. But for everybody else out there, just stop. It's just not worth the effort.
0: There was also a moment where I thought like Facebook's only been in podcasting for less than a year. And usually when you're trying to make a splash in and you're trying to be innovative, you're trying to do things that the other players maybe haven't actually give a reason to actually care about listening to podcasts within the Facebook app. Like it sounds good on a whiteboard, but in reality, like I'm not thinking of Facebook as a place to go search my podcast because the user experience makes Apple's looks like it's a, it's a red carpet experience. And so like out <laughs> of all the things that Facebook could have put energy towards, putting energy behind this mute button that most people would have said like it is a problem, but most people just deal with it and they just assume it's not a problem to work on other things like none of the other players are even focusing on this. And instead of giving Facebook news to talk about something really innovative in their Facebook atmosphere, they decide to make the news for something that just seemed really weird and bizarre to put energy behind.
1: Well, listen, Facebook and all these other platforms, they have to do a lot of work and rigmarole and dealings with the music industry, the licensing industry, right? There's so much content that gets posted to their platforms that should not belong on there. And so Facebook, right in the, in the one article that we're looking at that we'll, you know, we'll post in the show notes for this. It talks about Facebook as a special relationship with Sony. And so not going to say who knows, but there is way more going on that is is way costlier to Facebook to allow people to just get away with playing music on their platform. Then you and I need to understand it is just a big, big corporate mess. When it comes to copyrighted content and these platforms, most of them have agreements in place that, you know, right. We can use music in our reels and our TikToks and all these different things. Right. Companies are paying for the ability to let their users do it, but many times they didn't or don't think about podcasts. So for them, it's just, it's not worth a headache mute done, right? We've, we've already negotiated enough. Uh, we're not dealing with this right now.
0: Well, let's dive out of the paranormal world and jump into a flipping the script. And we're going to talk about not necessarily a deep dive today, but we're going to talk about how we listen to podcasts, but then also kind of expand a little bit about how people listen to podcasts, because it's something as a podcaster, you spend so much time focused on your little ecosystem, making sure that all the little corners are pinned and done and everything's done where it needed to be, but we often don't really enter the stream of regular podcast flow. Like I've been in car rides, for example, with completely different podcast listener habits, completely different subscribing podcasts, and we'll binge different podcasts. And I'll be exposed to like, man, that was a really good podcast that I had never even fathomed of a podcast being done like that. And those worlds happen all over the place. So tell us a bit about what your podcasting habits are and what makes
1: a podcast worthy of hitting that follow button. So for me, it is difficult to find time to listen to podcasts for personal consumption because I do spend all day listening to audio for work. And so I don't have a lot of time. I used to listen to podcasts when I was taking the kids to school. Uh, If I was commuting, you know, running around doing errands, cooking, cleaning, Uh, I would say exercising, but I haven't been exercising lately, so I I can't give that as an excuse or as a time that I listen to podcasts. These days, I primarily listen, um, you know, when I'm making breakfast in the morning for the kids, cleaning up from that, uh, and if I'm doing any other light chores around the house or if I'm driving around and running errands. So not a lot of podcasts. I don't have a lot of time for a ton of podcasts during the week. Every day, I do, do listen to the Start Here podcast from ABC because it gives a nice breadth of the news that is happening in the world without getting uh, without taking itself too seriously. I think the host does a a fun job of laying out the story and and having some fun with it. Um, And they've been doing it for just over a year now and and good job on them. Um, A few others that I when I have extra time I listen to I have always listened to wait wait don't tell me again being a bit of a news chunky. That was also one of the first podcasts I I ever listened to and so it just has a, a place in my heart that I will never let go of. Uh, I've recently, I, I actually abandoned recently, not abandoned, but I don't listen to it as much. Uh, I used to listen to pod save America more often because I wanted a, a little bit more politics in my world, especially when things were feeling more uncertain and scarier in the political situation that might be coming back next year. But for right now, um, I don't need that anxiety in my life. Uh, what I have started listening to more often is Smartless. The Jason Bass Bateman Will Arnett Sean Hayes podcast, where they interview other celebrities. I just find it fun, relaxing, and uh, very enjoyable to check out, and pretty lighthearted. So, you know, again, I don't drive all that often, so when I do have time, there's just uh, just enough extra content out there uh, yeah. for me to to get behind. But in fact, to one other one that I recently wrapped up. And it's because of Smartless, because they recently joined the Wondery Network. So every so often, Smartless will, will throw a promo to another show in their feed. And so whether or not you ask for it or not, you can get teasers of episodes of other podcasts in there. And one that really caught my eye was this one called Operator. And it was all about, <laughs> and this is going to sound horrible when I say this, but it was all about the this massive phone sex operation in the 90s that absolutely just took off and kind of changed the world for 1-800-1900 numbers. Like a lot of the technology that we know about phone technology today came from this industry. And it was just a fascinating story of what they did, who worked there, what are some of the technology and why they blew up. Um, And so that one kind of caught my attention. It was like eight episodes. It was really good. Do not listen around your kids on that one. Um, I mean, it's, it's not, Super graphic, but obviously anybody who is even mildly impressionable is going to hear the wrong stuff. Uh, and then more recently, I forgot how I discovered this podcast, but I started listening to one called Doomsday. And I honestly, I don't even know the host name. I don't even think he mentions it in the beginning of the show, but they look at uh, very, very tragic historical events, break down what happened, what went wrong, what are some of the lessons that can be taken away. But what makes it so weirdly enjoyable is this guy's just like deadpan, dry delivery on everything. Um, and so like he talked about, uh, you know, there was like a massive pile up in Kalamazoo, Michigan five or six years ago that uh, luckily didn't kill a lot of people, but just was like this spectacular, you know, disaster um, in the middle of the winter. There was one about a oil uh, energy plant in Venezuela that blew up and, Uh, Unfortunately, it took like hundreds of people with it, but it was just the way they deliver it, the way they get involved in it. I mean, again, it's just really, really fascinating. But a couple of things that I've been hearing on podcasts that I listen to, some things that are good and some things that are bad. So starting with some things that are good. One, as I kind of alluded to with the uh, smart list and the operator podcast, people dropping episodes or previews of other shows in your feed. I think it's one of the best ways that you can get attention for a new podcast because you're giving me a good sample. If you make the sample interesting, interestingly, interestingly enough, and you leave me with a reason to want to listen to more boom, I'm hooked. And so I take those previews and teases very seriously, and I have discovered other shows that I don't have time for, but wish I did, uh, consuming that way. I've also noticed a lot more dynamic ad insertion, which I think is good, right? Getting ads that are a little bit more tailored or in my case, I'm even starting to hear more ads that are geographically tailored to my region, right? I think I heard a, a dealership, uh, you know, a big dealership in my area advertising on a podcast which was like, oh, that's, that's pretty impressive. However, what I have been noticing about dynamic insertion lately, and this is on the bad side is some places it's not being done well. Um, in, in start here, right. A big ABC news production, right. Not a small company, part of the Disney empire. Uh, I was getting the same ads back to back in the one break, or I was hearing the same ad twice in an episode, even in different breaks. Um, I've been hearing them. They don't change their copy enough. So I've been hearing this one ad for months and months and right as soon as they come on, like I can recite the ad back to you and and that's not good or, or you know, that makes it, uh, off-putting, um, in the doomsday one, he was having a problem where, yeah, the same ad was playing back to back and it was a terrible ad nonetheless. Uh, but I think, I think one of the biggest flaws is this whole, um, not updating your ad copy enough you know, one of the things that I think made Pod Save America super successful, not so much, I mean, their show is good, their content is good, if you, if you, you know, like that sort of stuff. But one of the things that I always found enjoyable about that show was their ads. Their ads are custom-made ads. Every single episode and the ads themselves have become part of the enjoyable content because they throw a lot of jokes in there. They make fun of each other in there. They talk, you know, they bring in something topical into the discussion into their ads. And so you never hear the same ad twice. And I think it's because of that, that their advertisers are so happy with their product. Whereas if I hear the same ad for Supercuts on start here, I'm going to go crazy. It's, it's kind of driving me nuts right now.
0: I have so many questions, but one I want to comment to okay. of the <laughs> the angle where you talk about the ads being back. I see that like I hate having the paid subscription with advertising for Hulu cuz Hulu does this really horrible and also the History Channel that they'll actually put the same commercial right back in front of each other. Like I'll have to literally watch the same thing 3 times before I'll get back to my show. And it's just so I annoying.
1: I've had it. I've had it the same commercial across different breaks, but never back to back with the. Oh, same yeah. Break. It's just
0: like a broken loop. It's like, really, you couldn't just like sell it at a discount to give me something different here. I mean, some of it's just like I feel like the, the slots didn't get picked up and the default is it just takes what's already in the queue and just regurgitates it again. And I don't need to remind why Tide is a great product five times and I'm trying to watch Oak Island and figure out why they're not getting to the bottom of the money pit yet. Like all of those well, things like don't in, matter in
1: broadcasting. In radio, when they don't have slots, they, they, they usually pump in a lot of uh, PSAs, right? Public service announcements. Like, why doesn't dynamic ad insertion do that, right? Why don't they have a library of either self-promotional content or public service announcements that they can throw into the mix uh, as a placeholder? Now, I know somebody's going to say, why don't you just give us less ads? Yeah, they could give you less ads, but then if they go down to one ad – And then they do well, and then they start selling three ads. You're going to get mad that why are you giving me three ads when you used to give me one? So if you want to train people to be ready for three ads, keep three ads in there, keep three pieces of content in there at all times.
0: One question I want to dive into, and I've seen it so many different times going back and forth. What makes a format? different enough that you really enjoy it because a lot of times when you go like flirt with different podcasts iheart media does like the sidecar promotion of other podcasts really well anytime you're listening to an iheart radio station on the radio in your car they're always promoting podcasts that are part of the iheart media network on there and they got so many good different formats and when you check out some of those there's such a different flavor to those different kind of podcasts you're like i've never even considered structuring my podcast is there a where you see the structure of it and you're like, I've never actually considered building up the podcast skeleton like that.
1: I don't know if, if I would say that there is one structure in particular that I like over others. What I will say is that I do like structure in my show. Like one of the things about wait, wait don't tell me that I've always noticed is that they have a, they have a very good structure. It started as a radio show, right? So they're, they're up against the clock but they do the show in a particular order. It's this, then this, then this, then this, then this. And anytime they go to like a best of episode or they do something a little bit different, I listen, but like I'm I'm like weirdly unconsciously uncomfortable at first because I am prepared for a certain experience and I am not getting that. And so I think it's important for podcasters to have structure, have a format. I'm not gonna tell you what is the best way to do that, Because I think it's a little bit different for everybody else, but I think you have to be more than just let's freeform it. Uh, I I don't think you're going to find, I don't think you're going to build enough consistency and enough comfort in your audience for that to work. Um, so that's, that's like what I would say there, as far as what attracts me to a new show, it really is a mix of, do I enjoy, like, does the host bring me into the story? And do I get an emotional attachment to it? I think a lot of podcasters are really good at telling me what they're going to do, but they don't make me feel anything for their content. And if I don't feel anything for your content, whether it's I laugh, I cry, or I'm interested, I'm curious, I go, ooh, right? Like, you know, there's that old saying, you'll, you'll forget what people said to you. You'll never forget how they made you feel. Well, the same goes for your content. If you're not gonna make me feel something for your content, it's probably gonna be very forgettable to me. So I like shows that make me feel something. And usually it's curiosity or humor or um, smarter that I I typically go for in my content.
0: What about, and I think you're gonna be biased this because you are at heart an audio engineer. What about those podcasts that do a brilliant job bringing the audio experience into, not just like what you're saying, but that maybe have like one of those subscriptions where they have a repertoire of music to tone with the different swaps going in and out. And it's more of like a production. Do you get any additional value when uh, like one that comes to mind is 20,000 Hertz, which kind of takes weird, bizarre things and dives into them. But they do a brilliant way of orchestrating the ads, the intros, outros, and they're never the same. It's this kind of like orchestra effect. That the podcast brings that you're just going along with this feeling of the music. Do you get a similar one with that?
1: I mean, I would say that shows that have the capacity to do that and do that well will hold my attention and will do a good job, right? Like, I I have unconsciously been listening to a couple of shows and been like, oh, that you know, that's a how do, like what made them do that. Why do they put this here? What are they like? How is the music helping me? Even at start here, they kind of have, um, you know, some of their regular elements that you listen for and that you're used to and like helps with the timing of the show. But then when they tell a good story, they'll pop in some different music. And it's almost like a composer is is sound design in the show. And sure, it helps. But I also don't want people hearing this and thinking, oh, I need a sound designer. Well, that a sound designer is not cheap for every episode. And it's it takes time For you to establish your sound and for this person to do that. And again, I think it's one of those things where for most people, the payoff is not going to equal the return on the, like the, the cost of it does not, will not bring them the return on the investment that they're hoping for. At least the return on the investment isn't necessary for what they're trying. Basically what I'm saying is for most people, it's way too much money. It's not going to make that much of a difference. Well, let's, right. pit, let's turn that not, question
0: on its head because there is sure. a customer out there, and that most of this podcast, we're deep diving past the one one stuff, past the every podcaster can podcast without a big sound designer in the background. But if I'm a brand wanting to bring a feeling besides words to my, to my podcast, how do I decide as a brand, a business that maybe has the production value to throw $2,000 at an episode, and to get maybe like a full day's work to prepare an entire episode done how does a brand decide yeah that's what i want versus like what's the what's the right question maybe is the right thing to think about of when do you go big because you can and you want to and when do you meet yourself with i don't really need to do that
1: i think it depends on what is your expected outcome so right if you're a abc news you're a not just a national you are a global news brand you put out one of the most popular and most watched news programs every single night right you have a certain level of respect and and gravitas that when you are going to put out a podcast you can't put out a podcast expect to get 5000 listeners sell you know a couple of cpm's of hello fresh ads and consider that a success Right. There are there is a level of return that big brands are looking for, whether it's direct return because they're able to monetize. So let's say for a Disney owned news podcast on the number one news network, uh, you know, number one broadcast news network, maybe they need to hit a million listeners to consider that a commercial success for them. And so if that's the case, if they're going to get a million listeners, a million listeners is X CPMs, which means they expect to make X amount of dollars, which means the budget for making each episode is X. And so if those those numbers work out, then you do it. If you're a financial advisor and your big thing is I need to pick up five new clients this year, and that's the reason why I'm doing this podcast, each of those clients will, you know, get you, call it five to ten thousand dollars uh, then maybe the cost of producing your episodes doesn't warrant spending fifty thousand dollars a year on just a dedicated sound designer and the rights and the in the you know all the different things that would come along with it. So it really is a matter of looking at what is going to be your return, or what is your expected return, your expected audience on this? Now, that also means that it might not be there. Look, not everyone's going to launch on day one and have exactly what they want. You know, you need a three to six month plan or, or whatever it looks like to you know possibly get to where you want to be. But I think that's the difference, right? If you're happy making a couple of hundred extra bucks a month on your podcast, then it doesn't warrant spending $100,000 a year to produce it. But if you're expecting to make millions off your podcast, then yes, spending a hundred thousand dollars is proportional to what you hope to get out of it.
0: You know what I heard? And that is one word leverage and understanding what are you trying to leverage with your podcast as a tool? And if you think of just like basic, simple ma- machines and uh, mechanisms, when you want to lift something heavy, you try to create the right lever to lift this heavy object. And if you're trying to lift an advertising budget to a million dollars You need the right lever that's going to be able to be able to handle that and creating the right vehicle within your podcast, the right structure, the investment kind of answers a lot of those questions that I put you up for. So we didn't actually intend to deep dive in that question, but I think that was a really uh, good place to park and to think about because leverage is a great example of when you're designing a podcast of what people will listen to and why people listen to other ones figuring out what you're trying to leverage is a good example of figuring out where to throw your money at as well.
1: Well, and, and I I think it goes back to one of the original points that we make over and over again, each and every week. And in fact, it was a point I talked about with the Dave Jackson, who I had a chance to chat with last night and uh, mentioned that he listened to an episode of the show. Um, If you don't know why you're doing this, don't do it. Right, The thing that always drives me crazy is the person who says, I really want to start a podcast, but I don't know what I want to talk about. Then don't start a podcast. It's not a need to have. It's not something that everybody is entitled to. It is a delivery vehicle for content. And if you have the right content, or if you have the right strategy, or if you have the right personality, or if, you know, if this medium makes sense for something that you are passionate about, then do it. Don't just be passionate about having an RSS feed. That's not that interesting.
0: About RSS feeds, learn how to code them into the web browser because there's a whole ecosystem of figuring out how to get technology to read RSS feeds automatically. Yeah,
1: I, I I'm second what Ben says.
0: So <laughs> let me uh, put a cherry on top of this because a question that we want to tie it to of how we listen and figuring out ties into what I perfectly set up there with leverage, when do you leverage a podcast network? To reach your goals.
1: So I like the way that you're putting leverage on there. I'm going to flip it just a little bit for someone who might be hearing this. and wondering what that means is when should I join a podcast network or what do I consider when joining a podcast network? So what happens one is that people either get a cold email, right? Somebody is going around scraping RSS feeds, finding email addresses and sending it out to whoever saying, hey, I really like your show. I'd like you to join our network. Sounds nice, right? I'm like, oh, somebody wants my show. That's cool. Um, But you have to ask yourself, what are they getting from you? And what are you getting from them? And are they equal, right? There are some networks that want your content simply because they are going to sell as many impressions or downloads as possible to the current advertisers that they have. They don't care who your audience is. They don't care how good your show is. They don't care what else they can leverage from you. They just want more downloads. And so they will cram your show so full of ads because all they're doing is selling time to somebody else. That's not a good fit. Um, Or you have networks that promise you the stars and the moon and the sky to get your audience And then they don't deliver on anything. They get you to sign the contract. They get ownership of your content. They get to take over all of your intellectual property. And then they basically tell you, you know, go spit uh, when it comes time to actually asking for things that you were supposed to be asking for. Uh, This actually played out for me very recently. I'm not going to name names because I don't want to incriminate anybody. But Uh, A potential client of mine, we were talking about working together. We were talking about getting their show launched. Um, They discovered a studio that had its own podcast network, and they were promised all sorts of things. Advertising this, 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 and this, and this. And at every turn, they they were running up against some walls. One of the big ones was they were told they could sell their own advertising on top of whatever the network can get away with. So in order to do that, they need their analytics. Well, they were getting analytics, but they weren't getting analytics that were acceptable to the advertiser because they weren't IAB analytics coming from one of the reputable services. And so we're like, okay, what's, you know, why is this such a big deal? Like, let these people get their analytics, you know, let them get access to their Apple account. Let them see what's going on in Spotify, right? Like, just stop hiding stuff and, and, you know, let's see what's going on here. Well, they kept pushing and pushing and pushing and kept getting weirder and weirder excuses. And finally, you know, they were being told that they were getting 30, 40, 50,000 downloads a month. We finally got control of their Apple account and a couple of other things, and they were maybe getting three or 400. So this person was trying to bring. Big name shows into their network to build their network gravitas to sell sponsorships and other things to other people, but it was all smoke and mirrors. And so I think you have to be really, really careful when you join a network. The question becomes again, what are they getting from you and what are you really getting from them? And don't sign anything until you have a real lawyer look at your agreements. Because they could tell you what's on that paper, but you might be signing away stuff you don't realize you're signing. So I'd say, you know, if they tell you that they're going to help you monetize, what's the percentage that you get versus they get? And are there any minimums or, or do you have any control over the content, right? If I'm doing a show about mental health, maybe I don't want you jamming all sorts of, you know, weird stuff into my show. Or if you're doing, you know, a show for families, right, I don't want you selling pornography into my show. Right, You need to have a level of control because you have the relationship with your audience, not the network. Um, What are they giving you? They claim marketing support. Okay, what does that mean? How many posts? How big is their network? What are they really going to reach? Uh, are you going to have to do cross-promotion? Are you going to have to do cross-promotion with shows that you don't agree with or or you're not going to get along with? You know, Make sure you know about that. Will they own your content? At the end of the day, if somebody is buying you, your content, your brand, I would say that's a little bit of a red flag. Right? If if at the end of the day if you want to get out of it and you can't get out of it and you've lost access to everything, you're not going to be very happy. So anything that locks you into something that you can't get out of, there's a reason why they're doing that to you and I I just not saying don't, but I'm saying just be very very careful before you sign the dotted line and get excited because somebody says they want you to join their network.
0: And I think what you just highlighted is there's a beginning work question like, Oh, what's a podcast network? That sounds interesting. I'd like more publicity for my podcast. It sounds like something I should put energy to, but there's so much extra behind it. And I recently learned this past year that when you get a book deal from a big house publisher, they're actually buying your intellectual property that when you do like a book deal, generally with Penguin Random House, they own what you thought of. And they can, if there was a movie created from your book, they would be the first ones to be benefited from that book and you would be beneficiary of it. So there's like even just basic things of like, do you go the traditional route or do you go your self-publishing route? One of the basic reasons could be, I want to continue to own the intellectual rights of what I do. And these questions of leverage and then also another word that kind of came up in my head is gravitas. Like, does the podcast network have any gravitas that comes with it? And to me, like as a person that's coming up and growing your podcast, you want something that's going to grow and raise your podcast to a higher level, not necessarily someone that's just going to come in and use you as another tool, because we don't get into podcasting to become a tool. We get into podcasting to create something that can change someone's life usually and to impact them and educate them and entertain them. So holding on to why you started and making sure that that network aligns with your why, even going back to Simon Sinek start with why is a good reason to figure out for the podcast
1: network as well. And listen, your credibility is on the line here, right? You've built up the audience. You've built us the trust. You've built up the relationship. Are you willing, are you getting enough out of the deal to throw all of that away? Um, You you really have to ask yourself that because then if you, if you say, ah, whatever, they can have it, I'll, I'll start a new one. Are people going to trust you again? It's an important question. Yeah.
0: And your names on that's a part of building your personal brand. Like you're usually sharing all these things on your own socials. So that part comes with a an idea and making even if this is a branded podcast, making sure that there's no backlash from a brand of What does this network have within this catalog? Is it podcasts that I don't want to be associated with this brand? Like there are so many big other questions that come from this podcast network. But like what you said, they do have a perfect fit. And a big one that came, I think, in 2021 was John Lee Dumas joining HubSpot's podcast network that they had just formed. Large entrepreneur podcaster. He gets 11 million downloads a month and he joined what we know as a CRM system for entrepreneurs. And he's part of their network now. And a lot of his advertising comes in there and I have no details of what the actual deal entails, but there is an example of a really large podcaster partnering with a really large network to gain. And there's other businesses, but there's like maybe 10 podcasts within that network. So it's a very tight knit group of these are brands that HubSpot agrees with how they talk and they want to promote their processes as well.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like you said, the, the benefits of being a part of a network could be right. For example, you join the Wondery Network, let's say, and don't get me wrong, they do very highly produced shows, so you're probably not getting asked, but you join the Wondery Network, well, they're going to put teasers of your show in other feeds. They're going to put teasers of shows in your feed. They're going to run ads for your show on other shows. You're going to run ads for other shows on your show, right? Like there is power in being part of a network. Don't get me wrong. And I think there's power in people creating and forming their own networks. I just know that there are some people out there who are, Trying to gobble up downloads, and they they sweet talk you into joining something that if you knew what you were really getting, you would never join. So I just you know just be careful. Make sure you ask yourself, what am I getting out of this, and what are they getting out of this, and is it really what they're telling me, or you know just read the fine print.
0: Yeah, it also kind of reminds me to wrap this whole discussion up if. Anybody outside of podcasting knows what co-ops is in agriculture or any co-op that's formed for any type of business function. It is essentially a podcast network just in a different industry. It's taking, for example, food co-ops. They're taking farmers that grow local vegetables and bring it to a common place where people go and buy it and consume it. And everybody is theoretically in a win-win scenario to leverage what a little podcaster can, not but a little farmer can as well. It's those co-ops that also help manage prices, help manage and co- alleviate um Resources. So there's a lot of benefit, like co op. Co ops exist all across the United States, and those ideas have value. But again, co ops can also be destructive and they can be very quick to set up as a way to hide maybe some ulterior motive of what they're trying to get out of you. So you definitely have to go in with your eyes wide open. And like you said, make sure you get a, a lawyer to read it over because unless you have experience in understanding what they might be trying to get, or even experience with people being mis- mischievous to you. Like a lot of people like me, I don't have a lot of that experience. So I don't really think about how people have screwed me because it hasn't really happened. So I don't really know, but a lawyer is definitely looking into places of where are people getting screwed in basic contract one-on-one.
1: And, and the golden rule, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is.
0: Wholeheartedly do agree. Not
1: get Do not get tricked by by people promising you the moon and the stars.
0: Well, Matthew, that does it for another episode of Podcast Me Anything. Hopefully, this flipping the script, we dive into a lot of different areas, but we still found a way to deep dive into some different areas, completely serendipitous through the conversation of talking about just what Matthew likes to listen and what makes a good production worth listening to in our own behavior. So, Matthew, thanks for joining us today. I'll be back again for another episode.
1: It was a pleasure. And yes, if you uh, don't mind somewhat salty content, I highly recommend checking out The Operator. And if you're okay with, and if you like history told in a very dry, deadpan kind of way, stories that are probably not being told, I do recommend the Doomsday Podcast. Those are my two recommendations this week.